Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hi, welcome to the Growth Mindset Gal Podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. In this podcast, we'll be discussing self-care routines, mindset practices, and mindfulness habits. We'll combat the stigma around mental health in order to create a safe and open community for people to connect and not feel alone. Focus on your mindset rather than your situation. It's a game changer. Grow your mindset and look how far you'll go. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. Happy Mindful Monday, everybody. And it is the 4th of July. So I hope you guys had a wonderful time with your 4th of July festivities, whether it was going to the beach, whether it was having a nice barbecue in your backyard, a nice pool day, whether it might be boycotting certain things because of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, however you celebrated Independence Day. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're ready for another week ahead here. And I am super de-duper excited to share this episode with you guys. I interviewed the amazing Tara Swan. She lives in Australia and she is a life coach. So we go over what life coaching is, how you can find a wonderful life coach. And then she even basically we go through a coaching session of how to show ourselves love and acceptance and compassion towards our own self and how to, you know, kind of go through the thought process of breaking down our thoughts and emotions. So it was like a mini coaching session. And we talked about so many wonderful, amazing things that I think you guys, the Growth Mindset Gang, will find super de-duper helpful. So I am so pumped to share this wonderful episode with you. And make sure if you haven't already done so, please make sure to subscribe to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast, 99 cents per month. With that, you get access to the Wellness Wednesday mini sews with no ads. And you also get access to the Growth Mindset Gang text group. And if you would like to also join in the email list for every Sunday, you get a wonderful email from me with resources for mindset that have helped me such as podcasts and books and habits you can join the email list it is linked in my show notes and i have been so grateful that i've had a lot of opportunities to get more guests on we have guests lining up so if you are really excited on being a guest here on the growth mindset gal podcast all you gotta do is fill out the google form that is linked in my show notes and make a zoom appointment on the calendar app that's linked in my bio. And we set up a fun Zoom meeting and we plan the podcast episode and then we do the interview at a later date. So I'm open to everybody. So if you are interested in becoming a guest on the Growth Mindset podcast, that is all linked in the show notes. So without any further ado, here is Tara Swan. I hope you guys enjoy. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. And I am super excited because today we have a wonderful guest with us today, Ms. Tara Swan. And I am so excited to have a beautiful and wonderful conversation about empowering women's confidence. We're going to be talking about the connection between the gut and the mind. We're going to be talking about reaching our highest selves and reaching our fullest confidence and empowerment within ourselves. So, 
Tara, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the Growth Mindset Gang, so I'll hand it to you. Hi, and thank you so much for having me here. I'm so grateful to be here. Um, so yeah, my name is Tara Swan. I live in Western Australia, and I've lived here my entire life. And I am an emotion and empowerment coach and a mum of two young boys. Ooh, and I love, what are your two sons' names? Felix and Milo. I love, oh my, Milo and Felix. That is, those names are just, those are so stinking cute. And I've seen them, like, because obviously I follow you on Instagram and I see all the adventures you two and you all go on and it's like the cutest thing I've ever seen. So I am going to start with some questions for us. Okay. And the first question is, you said that you are a life coach. So what was kind of your motivation behind stepping into the role of being a life coach for people? Yeah, well, it kind of stemmed from my own journey, really. Um, I actually didn't know that there was any such thing as coaches until I sort of stepped into my business and was given the opportunity to become a wellness coach for a network marketing company. And so I started that just over three, you know, just under three years ago now. And as I delved into it a bit more, I realized how much I needed to face. Like I, for most of my life, I'd struggled with chronic anxiety and depression. And I think like jumping into that space um, made me realize how much I needed to work on. And so my motivation for becoming a coach was that just stemmed from my own journey and my own healing journey. So everything that I sort of experienced myself I realized it was such a huge need. I felt so alone for a lot of my life. And I think I found it really important to share my vulnerability with people and share the, the things that got me out of that space to, yeah, to really help people step into their power as well. I love so, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to that people know your journey as a life coach, right? Cause that's a big thing that's popping up. And I see it all over social media of people becoming life coaches and getting certified, which is wonderful. And I think it, it's more of a kind of laxy and like more comforting vibe for some people than maybe going to a therapist. Cause I think people, you know, when they go to therapy, it is very more professional and things like that. And very just like, you know, people might see it as rigid and, you know, some people may not have the access directly to therapy. And we're going to be talking about how life coaching is, you know, very different from therapy. They're not the same things, but I think having another outlet of, you know, talking to, you know, a third person, non-biased about your life and your goals and the things that you want to achieve is like a really amazing access for women coming into and I think life coaching is going to even grow more even into the future so you said that you are a life coach and like let's say you know someone wants to get into finding a life coach and things like that and maybe like me and like you we, we suffer with a lot of anxiety so how could a life coach really encourage and help someone you know combat their everyday anxiety yeah well I think Coaching is different to therapy in the sense that, um, like, yes, I've had training. Yes, I'm a certified life coach. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of what I teach is stemmed from my own experience mm -hmm. and what's worked for me. And that's why coaching is so powerful. It's like coach, coaches most of the time have been through the ring of themselves, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think coaching 
reflects back to you a lot of what you're saying, but in a in a sort of different way, help you see a different perspective, um, maybe see the parts of you that you're not conscious of yet. And that just helps you grow and start questioning the things that you have been believing and the thoughts that you've been having to be able to step out of that, that place you're in and see, see reality for what it is or see like not reality for what it is, but just help you expand your mind enough to keep wanting to grow and get out of that place, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think it's also so important to go to someone with a non-biased point of view. And, you know, you and I, we've both been to therapy and it's really been helpful to both of us because it unravels all the things that go on in our minds. Our mind is a scary place and we get very trapped in our mind a lot, especially people who have, you know, everyday anxiety and chronic anxiety and the thoughts that in the stories that we tell ourselves, and then we get locked into these, you know, stories that we think identify us and things like that. And it makes us go into like this victim mode where when you go to a life coach, you can tell them what's going on and they can slowly unravel. And like you said, kind of shift your perspective of how you are seeing things and switching your mindset to how you're seeing things. And that's the thing. They're a coach. Thinks like think of coaches, you know, in any way, shape or form, they are there to encourage you and push you towards your potential, similar to like a teacher where I think with therapy, you know, if you have access to that, you can do kind of both at the same time where therapy is more getting down to like the root of what's going on in your mind, where I feel like life coaching is like, yeah, I've been through it too, like you said. And then let's kind of like work through this together rather than it's like a therapist is like up here and like above you, if you will. Yeah. And then like, you're kind of talking to them. It's kind of the master and like I guess the student, if you will, where coaching, it's kind of, you're going through it together and it's more of a casual conversation and you, you know, feel like they're going through it with you because that's, you know, in any sense of the word, that's what coaches do. And I think it's amazing that you're a life coach and I've seen a bunch of other people starting to become life coaches. And it really helps that a life coach is very similar to your own story. It's kind of, you gotta make sure you find, right? You know, the life coach that, you know, fits you and your personality. It's kind of like a little bit like dating <laughs> where yeah. like you kind of have to sift through and figure out like who works, you know, best for you. So if someone's looking for a life coach, what could be some like resources or places they could go to maybe find a life coach that, you know, suits their needs? Hmm. Good question. I think, yeah, like you said, there are so many different coaches out there and so many coaches that help with different things, depending on their own journeys and their own stories. And yeah, you really do have to find the one that resonates with you and that you vibe with for it to be really effective. Um, so if you, if anyone wants to jump on Instagram, there are coaches everywhere in that space, mm -hmm. everywhere in that space. So, um, I guess, you know, there's so many ways you can find them. You can look up, you know, do a Google search. You can look on Instagram through hashtags. You can, yeah, just search for coaches online. Um, but, yeah, I think like you said before, when just coming back to like how coaches help people, when you're in that space of chronic anxiety or so stuck in your mind and telling yourself the same stories, it's really hard to see anything else mm -hmm. and break yourself out of that. 
And finding the right coach for you means someone that's going to see those stories for what they are because they've experienced them themselves Mm -hmm. and then have you questioning those, you know, are they actually true? Are they actually your reality? And like, what else could you be thinking right now? Or what else could you be telling yourself? And um, they just help you expand your mind and see a whole different perspective on things. And then that in itself just has you questioning a lot of what you've been thinking Mm -hmm. and helps you pull yourself out of that place. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've been there when I've been doing it alone and you do, you just tell yourself the same stories. You go around in the same circles and having a coach myself really helped me pull myself out of that space. Mm -hmm. And I agree like wholeheartedly with that because I think it's so important to be very self-aware of like your, your brain, your mind, how the thoughts like that come out of you. Because once you kind of master that, that internal dialogue, you're like, wait a minute, I'm creating negative thoughts right now based on a negative emotion. And you get that practice when you kind of do it with somebody else and you kind of talk through it with someone else. And then once you practice it, you kind of get that inner dialogue in your head. Well, okay. All right. I'm feeling really anxious right now. Why am I feeling anxious? What's the story that I'm telling myself? Is this true? Is this worst case scenario? And go through the motion with yourself. But I think you get so wrapped up in your own mind that trying to do the self-dialogue kind of on your own at first, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because I love reading those self-development books. I'm reading The Power of Now right now by Eckhart Tolle. I love that that book. I'm just reading it like, whoa, oh my God, everything is just like, mine is blown. And I think a lot of people enjoy reading those books, but then have trouble transferring it by themselves into reality, where if you are going to see, you know, a life coach, or if you go see a therapist, you can have those kinds of conversations with people that do also understand, you know, what you're talking about. Cause sometimes I'd be talking about this stuff with my friends, like just to kind of like, you know, bring it into conversation. And, you know, if you're not really involved in this kind of, you know, topics with your friends, they kind of look at you weird and you're like, oh, that's not the vibe. Okay. never mind. You don't really understand (laughs) where I'm coming from got it so taking that next step and putting the practices into reality can be really hard you know for people to do it on their own so having a life coach to you know hop on a zoom link you know just like we're doing and you know talk about these things and kind of unravel the, the they call it like right the monkey mind if you will I, I learned that from um the Jay Shetty book think like a monk. And I love that book. And he called it the monkey mind where your brain that's constantly anxious, constantly thinking all the time. It's always in the noise. It's very hard to like get out of it and silence yourself. And I think it's really beneficial to understand how that works and kind of bring those levels down when you do, you know, talk to someone, right. Who is a certified life coach and kind of go through those things with you. And so you said how you became a life coach because, you know, you had your own experiences. So my next question is what is kind of your mindset and your healing journey? Like, how did you, where's your point A and how'd you get to here at point B as a life coach? Yeah. I just want to touch on something you said before Mm -hmm. I answer that question. It was that coaching helps you put things into practice. And I think that's the biggest piece. So you can consume as much sort of free information as you like, Mm -hmm. but unless you're putting these things into practice, it's really not going to take hold. And that's where coaching sort of pushes you or not pushes you, but like encourages you 
and supports you in making those changes to actually create change in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between like reading a book and absorbing that information and like having someone to reflect back to and say, okay, well then this is what you need to implement in your life. And that is that aligned action to get you to that place where you want to be. So you can sort of see point A to point B, but you don't know how to get there. And it is in the action that helps you get there. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, like self-awareness is is the biggest thing. Like you can't change something that you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. Having that awareness first. Um, But back to my story. So... (sighs) I think my mindset journey, it really did just start with, with my awareness, mm-hmm. like really. And I, and I was really fortunate in that I had mentors and coaches to help me through from the beginning stages, because in the beginning, I had massive fears around speaking, massive fears and anxieties. And I think I would have quit five times over if I hadn't had someone there supporting me through it. Um, so yeah, it did. It started with self-awareness, just becoming really aware of my thoughts. You know, back in the past, I would be really afraid to be alone with my thoughts mm-hmm. because I didn't know how to manage it. I didn't know what was going on in my mind, in my body. I felt like I was alone. I felt crazy. I would, you know, I'm going to be really vulnerable here, but I struggled with addiction as well. And I would go to alcohol or drugs or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And my addictions like ranged and evolved from like cleaning to to work to all you know substances Mm -hmm. but I would go to those things to escape from myself because I didn't know how to be with myself and I was really fortunate in that yeah I had people to support me through that and get me out of that place and then I started implementing things to pull myself from that place and make myself aware start shifting my perspective on things and life in general um, it just helped me realize as well that I, I wasn't alone in this, that so many people have these feelings and these thoughts. And sometimes they just need the support to pull themselves out of it. We don't need to face these things alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then consciously choosing to see things with love and see myself with love and compassion over ridiculing myself, criticizing myself, and putting myself down. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest thing. Um, And I realized a lot as well, like a lot of us have, I'm going to get into the emotion part here, but a lot of us have trapped emotions and overcoming anxiety, releasing trapped emotions was probably where my biggest transformation took place. Mm -hmm. That was when I was able to really feel free because we're emotional beings and a lot of our thoughts and our actions and behaviors are controlled by our emotions and they may not be emotions from right now, but they may be emotions that you've held on to from your childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to recognize that a lot of our behavior, well, 95% of our behavior is determined by our subconscious, which is formed, you know, in our early years. Yeah. So just becoming, it's, it's awareness. It really is just awareness of everything. And, and from that place of awareness, acceptance, and trust that you're in the right place, you can then move forward with love and take aligned action to, to create change in your life. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I resonated with that so much. The first one I resonated with, you talked about the first step was the awareness. And mm-hmm. 
when you said, I like, I didn't like being alone because I was alone with my thoughts and I thought I was going crazy. And you thought like no one understood what you were going through. And I think a lot of us, especially women, because we are very connected to our inner selves. Mm-hmm. And so when we get into that moment, I think a lot of us too, when we get those heavy emotions, we self-isolate all the time. That's a, that was a big one for me. If I was feeling big emotions, I would self-isolate. I didn't want help. I didn't want to talk about it. And so becoming aware, it's like, okay, to be with yourself and what your thoughts and let the process just kind of go through and be like, okay, why am I upset about these things? Okay. What emotion am I feeling? And kind of like you said, with the emotion part that I enjoyed that you talked about was releasing those heavy emotions. We keep it in so much. And then our body also reflects those emotions that we're holding in and in order to release, like, you know how you feel like the tension in your body in in certain places, like mine is like my right shoulder. Like whenever I'm stressed or anxious, it's in that right shoulder. And so when I go get my nails done, it's, oh, I get a massage too. And it's always, they're always like, oh my God, like what happens to you throughout like the past (laughs) two weeks? And I'm just like, I'm a teacher. Like, they're like, all right, enough said, but that's because you literally store energy emotions in your body because your emotions are energy so exactly you don't release it that's why your body feels those certain ways and I recently found out that like your hips store a lot of trauma and emotion and things like that and I always wondered when I always because you know I played sports and things like that and I always had like tight hips and I was like, why? And no matter how much I stretched, <laughs> no matter you know, how much I warmed up, my hips were always tight. And then I realized that's a heavy place where you store emotions that you have not released. And I'm like, ah, oh, it just, it's so crazy how your mind and your body are just like so connected in that way. So once you become self-aware of your thoughts and your behaviors and your emotions, then you become aware of how it's manifesting, you know, in your body. And I think that topic is just so interesting. So I kind of want to dive into that, you know, a little bit more. So some things that you have to say about how intense the mind and the body, especially the gut is like connected to our overall like mindset and wellness. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing I have to say is Growing up, we are not taught how to process our emotions. Mm-hmm. We're taught that emotions are either good or bad, negative or positive, and that you should be aiming for the positive and the good emotions and pushing away and you know powering through when you feel those negative emotions. And the problem with that is it sort of serves us maybe in the short term, but when we push those emotions down and don't, don't fully process them, they stay there. Like if we can stop looking at emotions as good or bad, positive or negative, we can see emotions for what they are, which is just energy. And it's energy that our body creates in an experience or scenario. And we need to feel it through. We need to notice that energy in our body. And it's, and it's more about getting out of our heads and, and being in our body to feel that energy where it's sort of coming up for us and allow it to come out in whatever form we need it to, whether that's crying, whether that's screaming into a pillow, whether it's dancing. Um, And this applies to both like happy and sadness, you know, like the good and the bad emotions as such. You have to let that energy move through you and with trust that it's only temporary, like nothing is permanent, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, 
What was the question again? <laughs> I know we get always like, oh yeah, what did I ask again? How <laughs> um, the topic of how can understanding the connection between like our gut and our mindset really improve our overall wellness? Yeah, so that's a massive thing as well, and that's something that I like to make my clients really aware of if they're struggling with anything to do with their mindset or mental health they have to understand that everything is connected as well and specifically like the gut and the mind are directly connected Mm -hmm. like they're directly connected so what you're feeding your body alters your the the microbiome in your gut Mm -hmm. and if you're not feeding your body nourishing foods and um things that you know really yeah nourish your body you are throwing out that balance of bacteria in your gut and that can lead to dysbiosis and what happens when there's when there's an imbalance in your gut the me- the chemical messages that are then sent to your brain you know this is a really simple way of explaining it but the the chemical messages that are sent to your brain are like draining and um exhausting and you have those sort of more negative thought patterns and on the flip side when you do nourish your body and when you do correct your gut health the messages that are sent to your brain are then uplifting and positive and so it's really important to to acknowledge that that is connected Mm -hmm. and if you don't consciously choose to nourish your body that your mind can be affected as well Mm -hmm. and you know it can lead it to a downward spiral as well. If you're not nourishing your body, you start having negative thought patterns. You want to eat worse foods because it's comforting. It leads to worse negative thought patterns. It also leads to not sleeping well and then stressing more and, um, you know, maybe reaching for alcohol or coffee, Mm -hmm. which also affects your gut health, you know, and it's just downward spiral. Mm -hmm. So if you can stop maybe take a step back, observe what's happening, observe the pattern that you're in, start nourishing your body, start consciously trying to shift your thoughts so that you are in a higher vibration in order to feel like nourishing your body. You can then bring yourself back out of that place and start, you know, taking those steps forward. Yeah. And I, it's like, it's crazy how your mind and your gut are like literally connected by the nerve. It's like a huge nerve. And I remember reading about it. And I was like, whoa. And I even notice now that when I eat like not such, oops, sorry, when I eat such not so great food, like the next day I feel it. I'm like, oh, like I'm tired. I'm cranky. I feel drained. I don't like this. And I always joke I'm like my body needs vegetables or fruit. Like somebody needs to find me this because that's what I'm feeling. And on the flip side, and I know it's a, a heavy symptom for anxiety as well, how the mind then affects the gut is a big thing. When I'm anxious, I am so nauseous. Like that was like one of the heavy hitters of anxiety. So I'm always like sitting here and I'm like, am I actually nauseous or is this anxiety? Like that's the constant like battle that's going on. So your mind and your thoughts actually do affect your gut in both a positive and a negative way where even people have say like your guts, your second brain. And that's kind of where your like intuition comes from. Like, you know, when something bad happens, you feel like that drop in your stomach or when something really great is happening, you have like the butterflies in your stomach. And we were told that like our whole lives and things like that. 
and we never like put the two pieces together. But then once you start doing, you know, your own research and like talking to people and having conversations, you're like, oh my God, like literally everything is connected. Your emotions that you don't release are stored in your body and they manifest themselves in tension in certain places. And then with the mind and gut that like, if you don't nourish your gut health, then you're going to feel that fatigue, the crankiness, like just like I, the burnout, the exhaustion. And then that's why you reach for coffee. And I like, I love coffee and they tell me coffee is like the worst thing for anxiety. And I'm like, but I love it. But I, <laughs> I had to take a step and be like, okay, instead of having you know, the large venti iced coffee from Starbucks, let me get the grande, let me get a smaller version. Instead of having two coffees a day, guys, I used to, in college, I would have like three coffees a day, like a crazy person. And so once I grew, you know, grow older, I was like, oh, I can't be having this caffeine because I can, I, I can tell that it's making me more anxious because you're putting that in, inside your gut and it's going to your bloodstream and then, you know, the, all the science. So understanding that you can, do these little changes with mindset habits and then also nutrition habits to help you balance your mindset and your gut. And it's like simple things because I'm seeing the all over social media, which, you know, they're good things. You know, there's these, you know, the gut health supplements that I'm seeing all over, which are great things, but, and there's also, you know, been pills out for years. And I think like those things are great. But I always like to try first, can I do this with my body by myself? Like, do I really need to input something to make me feel better? Or is there a way that I can just do it? Because our body is like everything, right? Our body has so many different, you know, strengths to help us get through things with our mindset and also our physical health um, as well. So how do you feel about like, having people being able to kind of step, take a step back and realize they can do things to help heal their mind and their gut by themselves before going and seeking like external things. Yeah, I think it's important to look at both at the same time. Like you can correct your gut, but if you're not working on your mind as well, you'll probably revert back to the same old habits. Mm -hmm. And if you're working on your mindset and still not eating properly, it's going to be really hard to develop that as well. So definitely working, like looking at both hand in hand and working on both hand in hand and just baby steps. Like you said, you don't need to go and radically change everything at once. It's probably not going to be sustainable for you to do that. Mm -hmm. So just noticing the things that aren't serving you right now, like question what's not serving me. And if it is like, for example, having the large coffee or having two coffees a day, cut back to one and just start with that or just start with drinking more water so that you don't crave as many sugary treats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's 8 p.m. and I'm just like, she's, <laughs> you see how many times have I just drank this water because I've realized that late at night that I get like the sugary cravings and, mm. you know, once in a while yeah, you have dessert or treat yourself, but I'm like, I'm probably thirsty. <laughs> like you kind of, that's see when you get aware of your mindset and your body you start to realize like the signals that you thought meant I want a cookie actually means like oh maybe I'm just dehydrated and I should probably drink um a little bit more water and I even noticed that like um with hydration too that goes with your body it also helps like with your skin as well it's like you just when you realize that like like we said everything's connected then and you start doing the baby step habits you're like wow it actually is and you see like the results it's 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 amazing how we're just 
connected in such a, a crazy um, way. Okay, so let's shift some gears here. And I want to move on to how can women help grow their mindset? So what are some tips and strategies that you would give to your clients if they're asking like, hey, Tara, how, what are some strategies that I can grow my mindset and shift my perspective? Yeah, well, I think, as we said before, you self-awareness is the biggest thing. And as you start this work, you do become more and more aware of what's happening in your mind and your body. But to start with, if you're in that place and you really don't know how to start, my biggest tip would just be to sort of notice when you're entering that space where you're sort of in a whirlwind in your mind, pause and take a step back and just become an observer of what's going on. So notice what's happening in your body, notice what's happening in your mind, connect to that, almost take a step out of your body and just observe what is happening without judgment, with compassion for yourself um just be there with her or him and yeah so be an observer of your thoughts you know start noticing your thoughts and a, and a good practice is like a mindfulness meditation where you're sitting there and you're just noticing your thoughts come in and you're sort of letting them go mm -hmm. so just just that's one way to become really aware of what's happening in your mind is when you notice your thoughts coming in okay what is that it's there, I accept it, but then let it go. Let it move back out of your mind and let the next thought come in and just notice it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really beautiful way to become aware of it. But then after you've sort of started becoming aware of your thoughts and thought patterns, start questioning it. Like just question it. Is it true? Where is it coming from? Um, how does it make you feel to think that way? And it is in your it is in your feelings, you know, that are triggering a lot of thoughts as well. So if you can notice how a thought is making you feel, you can also notice that that feeling is present within you. And if you can release that emotion, your thoughts will probably disappear as a byproduct as well. Mm -hmm. And this was really powerful for me, um, sort of talking about releasing emotions. I remember being really fearful and had this huge fear of speaking. And I was lucky I had a coach at the time. I, I announced that I was going to do a free live training mm -hmm. and thought I was okay. But then afterwards, anxiety just hit me. Like I was, I was sort of pacing my house. I didn't know what to do. I was like, how am I going to show up to this? I have such a fear of speaking. I don't know what to, mm -hmm. uh, what which is say. crazy to think about now. Cause we're just doing a podcast. You're doing great. So I'm like, oh. like you didn't like speaking. What? <laughs> I know, but this is the power of releasing emotions, right? Because I went to her and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm so anxious. And she's like, okay, well, your thoughts are attached to feelings. Go and sit with that. Where is that emotional energy in your body? Where can you feel it? And I remember feeling it. I think it was either in my chest or my stomach. And I just sat with it without judgment, with patience and eventually it moved out of my body and I could feel that energy shift. And then as soon as it did, I found clarity. I stopped telling myself the thoughts that I was telling myself that I can't do this, that I you know, wasn't good enough, that I didn't know enough. And I found clarity on where that fear was stemming from in the first place. And it was something that I'd, sort of, I'd grown up with in my childhood. And so once I was able to release that emotion, I was able to 
be aware of where that fear was stemming from. And the thoughts that I was having disappeared and I was able to show up with confidence, with trust in myself. Um, and I allowed, yeah, my voice and my truth just to flow through. And yeah, like something like this, a podcast, there's no way in <laughs> the world I could have sat there and spoken like this three or four years ago. It just wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And it's in releasing your emotions that you can begin to shift your mindset as well. And I think not enough people, not yeah, more people need to be talking about it. Emotions, processing emotions, releasing emotions is one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then like being having someone to help you through that is really important, I feel. Like trying to face it on your own to begin with can be challenging. And Scary. especially if you've done it before, it's scary because you don't feel safe. Like it's it's important to feel safe and know that you are safe. Like list the ways that you're safe. You are safe. But like initially in the initial stages, because it's so unfamiliar, you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful to have someone there supporting you through it. Um so I sort of went off on a tangent then as well, but like, <laughs> that's all right. We go on tangents here. <laughs> but yeah, so hire a coach to help you, you know, see these things for what they are, help you feel safe and supported through it and, you know, find processes that work for you. Um, but then, yeah, there's just, there's subtle the little things you can do to start with as well. If all that sounds too much, too overwhelming, too scary, just start by listening to books like self-development books and podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like there is so much gold in those, in podcasts, um, that you can take away and sort of reflect on yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that's that's where to, that's where you would start. Yeah, I agree. Where like when you go on like this mindset journey, it is a little bit overwhelming at first because there is so much media these days, which is great that like you can go to. And I first, my first media was self development books. I like just started going into them because I was like I the anxiety was very like overwhelming to me. And I was like, I don't want to live like this. You know, when you get to a certain point in like the mindset journey where like that, that's the point A where you're like, I can't live like this. I don't want to live a life filled of fear and anxiety and caution all the time. And I was like, okay, where, what can I do? And so I started going into books and then I started listening to podcasts and that inspired me to make this podcast, my own podcast about mindset. And I also, you know, eventually then went to therapy too, because I wanted like the books and the podcast were like a really good start for me because I got like the habits that you were talking about and the mindfulness routines that I could start doing, like becoming the observer of my thoughts. I went into journaling. That's kind of where I do my observing of my thoughts as I, you know, write through and have a conversation with myself in a journal. And mm-hmm. then I was like, you know what? I need like an, an extra pair of ears. And that's where, you know, I went to therapy and other people can go to life coaches or also go to therapy and do both because they're two very separate things and they're both very helpful in their own individual ways. And so taking those little small steps of being your observer. I love that you said that because reading the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle that I am reading, that's his big thing is being the observer of your mind. It was yeah. like, oh, wait a minute. Like I you have power over the way you see things and your mindset and that the reality it's, it's kind of crazy that like you could experience the same thing with someone, but have two different perspectives just based on the mindset that you see it in. Like, for example, if you went on like a job interview, right. And you didn't get the job and your friend also too, 
they went on a job interview, didn't get the job, but you're in a fixed or a negative mindset. And you're like, well, I'm a failure. No one's going to hire me. Everyone hates me. I'm useless. I'm never going to get a job. Someone with a growth mindset, like your friend would be, you know what? Yeah, I didn't get the job and I kind of wanted it, but you know what? I maybe can get feedback from them. See like maybe what I can improve on for next time. Maybe I should practice my interview skills more. Maybe that job just wasn't meant for me. Maybe it wasn't a right fit and kind of see the rejection as a lesson or, you know, an opportunity and, you know, go somewhere else with it. Where if you see that, you know, event in a very negative way as a failure, then you kind of get stuck there. You get stuck in the fear of the rejection and everything else. So understanding that life right? doesn't happen to you. I always say life happens for you. So that even that little shift of, you know what, life's going to happen, but it's up to me to then make the decision, the conscious decision of, okay, how am I going to then respond to the situation? That's the same situation. You got rejected from a job interview. How are you going to take that opportunity? How are you going to respond? And once I started shifting into a growth mindset of seeing opportunities as lessons, failures can be opportunities. Everything's happening for me. I'm going on this path rather than being trapped in the fear of in scarcity mindset that I had. Like I always had this weird fear of like, I'm going to get fired for my job. Meanwhile, like I was doing fine. <laughs> like there's no reason for me to get fired. But the anxiety story that I'm telling myself is I'm going to get fired. You, you know, I'm not good enough. Like imposter syndrome, all those things. And then once I got aware of those thoughts being like, you know what, here it is. Why would they fire you? Number one, Allie, like you're doing fine. (laughs) Like you're not doing anything wrong. They're telling you you're doing a good job. And then here I go is here's the next step. Okay. What if let's say, you know, there's not enough enrollment and they do have to access you or fire you. Is your life going to end? Yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) you can, there, it's a job. You can then go find another job. And that's how I kind of took control of the scarcity, fear, anxiety, thought process. So I yeah. love that you said that be the observer of your thoughts, because you can really change the way you perceive situations and thoughts and, and things like that. I love that. Sometimes it's really helpful to play it out in your mind like that. Like what, well, then what, like, if that happens, then what, what happens then? wait a minute, I'm actually not in the worst position. I could go and do this and I could go and do that. So playing it out in your mind really helps you, I guess, um, just neutralize that fear a bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think the other component of that is like going back to the job situation, you know, with say your friend doesn't get the job as well and just got that mindset, trusting as well that, if you didn't get that job or in anything in life, if you, you know, didn't end up in that relationship, if you didn't get that job, trust that that is exactly what is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And if you can trust that, then you're leaving yourself open to the infinite possibilities that the universe can take you on. Like, okay, I didn't get that job. And I trust that, that that wasn't meant for me. And if you're leaving yourself open and available to what else could be possible, you might have a beautiful job come up a week later that is exactly what you were supposed to be doing yeah that was like so much better than even the other job that you thought was gonna be your like dream job because I think um a lot of the growth mindset gang that listens they're you know the millennial age group and they're feeling just very anxious about 
the future. And that's where that anxiety and like burnout is really coming into play. And how I've even spoke about it in previous episodes was that when you have anxiety, you're constantly like, you want to control everything, but that here's the thing. That's an illusion. You can't control everything that happens. See, that's again, being your observer in your own mind, you can't control everything. And I like, I've repeated this so many times, like throughout the conversations I've had with, you know, solo episodes and with having wonderful guests, we all come down to the same conclusion where you're anxious because you want to control the future, but you literally cannot (laughs) control the future. You can play a little role of like, you know, setting goals and things like that, but no matter how many goals and like five-year plans that we make for ourselves, life's going to throw crazy things. Like, for example, did I think we were going to go through a massive worldwide pandemic and that my job and other people's jobs would be, you know, flipped upside down and people would lose their jobs, lose their loved ones and all this very traumatic things. Did anyone think in their five-year plan that that was going to happen, right? So actually going through the pandemic really taught me to shift the perspective of there's no control here. (laughs) Like you are going to be thrown so many crazy good and bad things in your life and it's going to be up to you to be the narrator of your story of how are you going to let this affect you in some way shape or form and I love how you said is like release the control release and surrender to the trust of things are going to work out no matter how like terrible the situation may be for someone right now The thing is, is crazy enough, things are going to work out. And then you, you see this all kind of in hindsight where like, you kind of, you can't connect the dots when they're happening. But when you look back, you're like, oh, that's why that didn't work out. Oh, that's why I went through that tough season when you kind of get further down the line. And so realizing that the trust in Things are really, you know, I'm struggling right now with something, but it's either teaching me a lesson, it's making me stronger for something else that's coming down the line, it's really helping me heal in some way, it's sculpting me as a person, like, that's kind of what you have to really go through and tell yourself. Yeah, it's so important, and if I look back to all of the challenging situations in my life, I'm like, that's why that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's why that happened. And wow, I'm really grateful for that now, even though it seemed like mm-hmm. I was going to die you know, in the moment of it. Mm-hmm. Um, How will I ever get through this? That's like what we always say, right? How am yeah. I ever going to get through this? Exactly. Here we, are. Here we are. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're right. Like, well, I know you're right. Relinquishing control is so important. Like a lot of anxiety is trying to control our thoughts, trying to control our emotions um and you can control them but not in the sense that you're that when you're in anxiety that you're you know trying to push them down or push them away in it's a different type of control mm-hmm. I think as like you said something else as well like setting goals but then not trying to control it too much I think a level of detachment is really important too so yeah like it's important to have goals and a vision for yourself place you want to be but detaching from that and what that means for you. And another thing that the power of now taught me, not only is it being like very present mm-hmm. and not having so much attachment to where you want to be in the future, 
So just being really present in the now. But the other thing it taught me was shifting my identity. So stop mm-hmm. identifying with the things that you think you need in life or the thing, the, the person that you think you need to be and or like stop identifying with having anxiety, stop identifying with having depression and start choosing a different identity for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's that was a powerful thing I took away from that book. Yeah. I, I Now that you said that, I'm like, oh yeah, I feel like I read that like two days ago where I liked how the our mind and like our ego does identify everything where people say like, yeah, like I even catch myself too saying like, yeah, like I, like yeah, I, I, I probably said it before in this podcast episode that like I struggle with anxiety. That's a story, right? Yeah. That is a, that's a mind identifier that, that you spoke about. And where I was like, yes, I do have anxiety, but that's just not, that's not all that I am. And I can combat that anxiety or, you know, people say like, they, they really identify themselves with like their job. So if like their job isn't going well, then they're like, well, I'm a terrible person. You know, like teachers get that a lot. I talked about this a lot with, you know, fellow educators where they were really struggling this past school year because, you know, being a teacher, we get so sucked into that identity in our job because like we put, we pour so much of ourselves into our career. So when the job is stressful or unfulfilled or tough year, whatever that it is, we get really like, you know, in our heads and, you know, we suffer from burnout and even in any job, you work in a nine to five in corporate medical with nursing, you know, I have friends like all across all the boards of all the different jobs. And we're all kind of saying the same thing of like, we're in like, you know, our mid to late 20s and our jobs are really stressful right now. We feel really anxious or we do feel depressed or unfulfilled. You know, like, is this all it is? Is this all we're going to be doing for the next, you know, 40 years where I, and we get kind of caught up in that kind of conversation. And I even sometimes observe myself, I'm like, wow, this conversation's kind of like, we're venting, which is fine, but are we finding any solutions (laughs) to, to the vent session that we're having? Um, and I started to really think of, you know, a job is a job. I love teaching and, you know, even my friends, they say they love nursing and everything that comes with it, but it's like, at the end of the day, we have to detach ourselves and be like, a job is a job. You are so much more of a person than what your career is. Yeah. You spend a lot of your time at work. So it does consume a lot of your thoughts and your identity, but just because, the job and the career is not going so great, or you're really stressed. It, it that's not your whole life. So detaching yourself from the job, detaching yourself from the relationship that didn't work out, or maybe you're in a relationship right now and you're like, kind of on the fence of, you know, is this person for me? And really detaching yourself of, I can live without this person if it's going to improve my life, or detach yourself from like the material needs that we have and things like that you you feel so much lighter when you detach yourself from those types of things yeah you do you feel lighter and I think um when you detach yourself from all of the things that you're identifying with or all of the parts of your life that you're holding on to because it's familiar to you you open yourself up to so many more possibilities and you start realizing that you can actually shape your life based on who you want to be mm-hmm. as opposed to feeling like you need this or that to to feel safe, I guess, coming back to safety. But like being able to detach yourself means, and I'm I'm going to take what you said earlier a a step further. You said life isn't happening to me, it's happening for me, but really life is happening from you. 
Ooh, I love so, that. Ooh, okay, sorry, go on. I got chills. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. I was like, woo, continue. So when you do start to become really aware of your thoughts, aware of your feelings, um, start detaching, trusting where you are, seeing everything as opportunities, opening yourself up to the infinite possibilities and the power that is within you, you realize that, wow, life actually is happening from me. I can create what I want to create. I can be who I want to be. I can identify with whatever I want to identify with. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to be with that person or in that job. I don't have to be um so attached to all of these things and yeah I think yeah exactly that yeah and I I love I'm gonna whatever snippet I make of this episode that quote is gonna definitely be in that because I was like I've never heard that before and I absolutely love that I'm so glad that you said that so we're talking about all these wonderful things of you know life is happening from us and we can decide our own destiny but I think women have a very difficult time kind of realizing that because when we grow up, especially, you know, in, you know, the Western society is our identities are severely surrounded by getting external validation of, you know, our attractiveness, right. Mm -hmm. Of how we serve others and things like that, our impact on how we make other people feel and stuff like that. And then when we do things for ourselves, for some reason, it's seen as selfish. It's seen as being too bossy and assertive. It's seen as all like these negative things when women do things for themselves. So what are some helpful, you know, tips and strategies you have for women to build their confidence and build their empowerment to then be like, you know what, the life I'm living right now isn't working out for me. And I don't like either, you know, where I'm at in life, whether it's a job or relationship, friendship, family, whatever that it may be, how can women gain the confidence to then be like, Hey, this is my life. Let me shape it for myself. Yeah. I have a lot of love compassion and like I feel for women we have so many external sources like it's so ingrained in us that we're not safe in the world Mm -hmm. and that we need to be a certain way to be accepted Mm -hmm. and then we have all these external influences having us comparing ourselves and making us think that we're not good enough and that really affects our self-esteem and our self-worth we think we're not worthy because we don't look a certain way or because we we aren't a certain way we don't you know we haven't followed that path um so it's really breaking out of that conditioning and being aware of that conditioning that helps you realize that you know you don't have to be that way and you can actually step into your power and oh god the the feminine energy is so powerful mm-hmm. like we are so powerful and i think when we realize that we can start stepping into our power we can start recognizing the parts of us that are powerful the parts of us that are beautiful you know so i think like to to do that to improve your self esteem your self worth your confidence Focus on your strengths over what you don't have or what you haven't become that you, you know, you were so attached to becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, list positive aspects about yourself and face yourself. Like, again, I'm going to be really vulnerable. I was standing in front of the mirror last night, mm-hmm. naked, 
Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like looking at myself and noticing all of, you know, the parts of me that were still broken and the parts of me that I wasn't fully accepting and like my imperfections. And we all have them. Like no one is perfect. Yeah. I was going to say been there. <laughs> Multiple. Yeah. But is it you saw I was standing there and just looking at myself and being, and just, and I had to radically accept myself. Mm-hmm. No, I wanted, no, I don't, I didn't have to. I wanted to radically accept myself. I wanted to see the parts of me that were broken. And I was standing there looking at myself saying, I love you. I love you in all of your pieces. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to face yourself and face the parts of you that you've been afraid to face is really empowering. And it's, it's a radical act of self-love. And when you can do that and when you can get to a place of acceptance, looking at yourself and fully accepting yourself and being like, okay, maybe I don't like that part of me, but I accept myself anyway. I love myself anyway. And from that place of love, you can take aligned action to move into the place you want to be. Mm-hmm. But if you're sitting there and ridiculing yourself and hating on yourself, it's really, really hard to move forward and make any changes in your life and you're never going to feel powerful if you keep telling yourself and putting yourself down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think true self-love and building self-esteem is having the bravery to face yourself and face all the parts of you that you've been unwilling to, to face and see them with love and compassion. Mm-hmm. And I think all the women that are listening probably definitely felt that you know piece of vulnerability and thank you for sharing that like so deeply, like when you were saying that, I was like, yeah, I, I remember myself looking in the mirror and be like picking myself apart and things like we all do because we're taught that we need to look a certain way, then fit in somewhere or, you know, attract a partner or whatever that it is. And we're not taught innately that like you being here is good enough. Where I, I think in our society that, you know, men are taught from a young age, like, you know, as long as you're ambitious, you're smart, you work hard, you're going to go places where women, we're not taught that we're taught that you need to serve others. And that's how, you know, you will find your worth is and how you affect others, which is not like, a, like a bad thing. You should impact people in a positive way and love taking care of people that you love, but you also need to also take care of yourself. I love that you talked about like accepting the parts of you because, you know, self-love has, you know, really been inflated same thing with like growth mindset and things like that, where, you know, I was like, just like, love yourself. And then you'll find freedom, things like that. But it's like, oh, okay, let me, where do I start? Like, how do I just like love myself where think about loving yourself as you would love another person. Like think about if you are constantly ridiculing your partner and making them feel terrible about themselves, are they going to stick around? No, they're not. But we learn to like accept that our partner is amazing, but they're not perfect. And we accept the different parts of them that not necessarily are the best things, right? But we still accept them for who they are. Why can't we do that to ourselves? Why is that like, we can do that with a partner, but we have such trouble doing it with ourselves, standing in front of a mirror and being like, you know what? There's certain parts of me that I don't really enjoy, but you know what? I'm going to accept them. Yeah. Like the freedom of just, okay, I accept them. Cause once you do that, once you accept it, you don't give a damn what other people say about it. Like when you're like, okay, you could say that I could care less because you went through the motion of accepting yourself. I actually read another book recently, the high five habit by Mel Robbins. And she talks about the habit of literally every morning in that mirror, no matter how crazy you're looking, give yourself a high five. And then automatically, and like me, we say like a positive affirmation, like you got this, I believe in you, whatever that it is. And it like starts your day off 
really great because you're looking in the mirror with yourself, you're getting honest with yourself and you're you know, giving yourself a high five. When you give people high fives, think about it. You're usually encouraging someone else when you're giving a high five and like, you know, expressing that great energy, you're sharing energy with someone, you're encouraging them. Why don't we do that with ourselves? Right. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult for some reason for us to do that. But when we want to encourage other people and, you know, have other people reach their potentials, we're like all for it, especially coming from an educator perspective. Like I love teaching because I love helping people, you know, f- figure out their potential and love themselves. But then like, I have trouble doing that. Like it's, it's kind of a crazy, you know, scenario. So I think it's so important for women, like you said, to really just sit down with themselves and say, these are the things that I'm really good at, that I'm so proud of, that I love about myself. These are the things that maybe are definitely maybe need to be improved. And that's, that's a work in progress. Like not even say the things you don't like about yourself, say the things you want to improve on and that they're work in progress. And I kind of accept the stages that those progresses are, you know, basically at right now, because like you said, once women really self-heal and show self-love for them, then they're, I think women are literally unstoppable once you get to that point. Oh, honestly, exactly. And I love, I love everything you've just said. Like, why don't we accept ourselves like we would accept anyone else in our life? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think looking at yourself and being like, these are the parts of myself that I want to improve on. And underneath that like what's the emotion that's attached to that that why aren't you accepting that and being able to release the emotion that's attached to that in order to feel powerful enough to move through and start making improvements in the areas that you want to improve on and I think you said something else like if you're with a partner you would accept them in their Mm -hmm. flaws that is probably the biggest and most radical act of self-love is Mm -hmm. choosing consciously choosing to commit to yourself before you commit to anyone else mm-hmm. and like and that is really the only way that you build your self-esteem and your self-worth and your confidence and feeling empowered is in your commitment to yourself and your growth and your inner work mm-hmm. and without having that commitment you really can't fully commit to anyone else you have to commit mm-hmm. to yourself first mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I I love that you said that to, to ultimately you need to commit to yourself, because I always tell myself, you know, at the end of the day, people are going to come and go, but at the end of the day, you, it's you, it's the relationship with yourself. You know, at the end of your days, it's the relationship with yourself at the end of the night, when you're laying in bed, it's yourself, right? You're laying there with your thoughts of the day. And so in order to fill up other people's cups and like help others around you and be a bright light, you got to fill up your own cup right? Yes. That's yeah. a big, a big thing for women is we always try to you know, help others and be there for people and do things, but then we run ourselves into burnout and exhaustion because we forget the biggest commitment of all, which is to ourselves. I think our generation, we're getting better, definitely better at becoming more aware of that and stepping towards more self-love, self-compassion and self-care And I hope that the future generations, you know, see that and that keeps growing because I think right now it feels still a little alien to us women to like, take care of myself. What do you mean? You know, like dishes need to be clean. I need to take the kids here. I need to do this for work. I have to go here for my partner. Like, 
thinking, you know, doing things for ourselves is still a little alien for us, which is kind of crazy, but I, we're, we're definitely taking a step in the right direction with that. Yeah. And we really need to recognize that taking care of ourselves is probably the most selfless thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Like it's, if you're taking care of everyone else before you take care of yourself, you are going to end up in a place of burnout and, you know, feeling exhausted and not feeling, not you know, nourishing yourself properly. How are you going to show up for anyone else if you haven't shown up for yourself first? Not fully, like, especially if you have children. Mm-hmm. Like I know in myself, when I take care of myself, they get a, they get a way better version of me. Mm-hmm. They get a version of me that is fun, that wants to like play with them, that is less reactive towards them. Yep. You know, so I'm really serving them by serving myself first. And I think it's important, you know, I love saying sometimes the most self selfless thing you can, what is it? Sometimes um, being selfish is the most selfless thing you can do. And I agree with that from a teacher perspective too. I'm the best teacher for my students when I take care of myself. The the weekends that are busy and I don't take care of myself. Let me tell you that week, I'm not the best. I'm not my best self. I'm not the best teacher. But when I take time to settle down and take care of myself, my students then get the best version of me. So I can, I can, I definitely agree with that perspective. So Tara, I could, we could talk all day. We really could. We have two separate (laughs) Zoom meets because I have a 40 minute limit and the second 40 is coming to an end here. We could talk all day, but Thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. I knew we were going to have an amazing conversation and I think we definitely did. And the Growth Mindset Gang is going to be loving all the wonderful topics and tips that were brought up in this conversation. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. So where can the Growth Mindset Gang find you, follow you, all those wonderful things? Yeah, the the best place. First of all, thank you. I know this was amazing, an amazing conversation, and I'm really, yeah, I love how we just bounce off each other. I love that. It was it was fun. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But the best place to find me is definitely on Instagram. So at it's Tara Swan, um, T A R A S W A N N. It's Tara Swan. yeah, I pop a lot of free content up there. So anyone that wants to jump on there and check it out, please do and connect with me. Um, I love connecting with new people. So yeah, thank That's you. Amazing, of course. And I'm going to put all of your information and stuff like that in the show notes so they can easily find you. And again, thank you, Tara, so much for being on this podcast. And I hope to have you back on soon. Yes, I'd love that. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as Tara and I enjoyed having the wonderful conversation. I hope you guys found all of it or at least parts of it useful and helpful. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to tag both Tara and I in your stories. And, you know, we could have we could talk for like three more hours, but I was already on my second link for the Zoom because I have a 40 minute limit. So I'll definitely going to have Tara on again. I just enjoyed the conversation and the energy that was going on. So if you guys enjoyed it, please make sure to share with a friend who would love it. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network.